First of all, let me, let me just begin by saying thank you to our worship ministry. Uh, Brother David Winkler, thank you. And the orchestra sounded fabulous today. And Brother Terry, thank you for that uh, trio of harmony. That sounded so amazing. And, um, and our praise team, thank you guys for being demonstrative in your faith, for raising your hands. As you raise your hands, you're lifting my spirits as I'm just watching like Katie Hurt Jack over there just worshiping Jesus. I just that bless me. And Kristen... That lady stood right here and sang uh, Oceans. She just had twins just a few weeks ago. I guess, well, probably a few months ago now. Time flies when you're having twins, I guess. But Kristen, God bless you. It sounded, uh, sounded wonderful. Church family, I know uh, we're very, very blessed to have the, the people leading us in worship. They work so hard, you know, on Wednesday nights. And not only on Wednesday nights, I know they practice and rehearse to lead us to the throne of God. And if you noticed, our worship ministry is, is very vertical in their purpose. They want to bring us in and let us just go right into the presence of God and not so much look at us, but look at Jesus and, and just participate in that time of worship. So I don't always take this much time. Maybe I should do it more often, but I just wanted to genuinely express my deep appreciation for uh, Brother Terry and for our worship ministry. So thank you guys. Appreciate you very much. Power of the cross. Today we're going to begin an eight-week series of messages focused on making disciples the way Jesus did. Jesus commanded us very explicitly, gave us a very powerful, cogent command toward the end of his life before he ascends back to the Father. He said, go and make disciples of all the nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he said, and teach them. You know, teaching is a part of the Great Commission. Teach them to obey all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. In this series of messages, we're going to go really back to the basics. We're going to focus uh, on the fundamentals. I, I find that in my life and in the life of our church, when we get off kilter a little bit, get off course, is when we begin to neglect uh, the fundamentals, just like catching and throwing and baseball just like uh, kicking and running and soccer, just like blocking and tackling and football. And I could go on and on in every sport. The most important thing is the fundamentals, the basics. Uh, Vince Lombardi, the legendary coach, every fall, he would meet with the Green Bay Packers. They would get together around August, and uh, they would kind of snicker and kind of laugh at him because they knew what he would do. He'd take a football, and he'd hold the football in his hand, and he'd say, Gentlemen, this is a football. And they're like rolling their eyes, and he would go over the basic axioms of blocking and tackling. You say, why would he do that? Well, he did it every year because he wanted them never to forget what made them great. And what made them great were being able to master the fundamentals, the basics. What are the basics of Christianity, of our faith? I know it's very simple, but I believe it is worth repeating. Would you not agree that we are to get up every day and pray to Jesus? First thing we do when we get up in the morning, we ought to have a time with the Lord. We call it devotion. We call it quiet time. I mean, just get up, get your Bible, and read the Word of God and pray before you go out the door. And then when you go out the door, live that kind of life, that crucified life with Christ, so that others see you and they would be attracted to the Jesus within you. And I was telling some people just yesterday, you know, I find it is so much easier to share my faith and to bear my cross for Christ if I begin that morning with Him in prayer, just, just some time alone with God in prayer and then reading the Word of God and then being filled with the Holy Spirit of God and then 
y'all are looking at me like, boy, you are focusing on the basics, the, the fundamentals. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I wonder how many of us every day get up, first thing we do, before the sports, before ESPN, before the shopping networks, before the news, before all the bad news, the first thing we do is we get up and uh, you say, well, Brother Dan, I, can I at least get a cup of coffee? Amen. Get, get some coffee. That's good. And then get alone with God. And just spend that time with Him reading His Word. So, the basics. Today, we're going to look at Mark chapter 8, 34 through 37. Uh, when I was a young believer, yeah, really before I was even a, a follower of Christ, I was always intrigued and even memorized these verses before I became a Christian. And when Jesus calls us to take up the cross daily and deny ourselves and follow Him. Follow Him. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, we can encapsulate it like this. It means to make disciples. It means to pour our life into another person, to lead them to Christ, and then be able to help them grow uh, in their relationship with Christ. Well, we're trying to help you, and we're trying to give you this new gospel presentation. Call it the five crosses. And God gave me this a few months ago in my study, and I was praying, and the Lord said, quit studying, quit reading, just listen to me. And so, kind of like this morning, I was, I was preparing this message, just going over it again and again in my mind, and, and the Holy Spirit just said, praise Jesus and preach His Word. Praise Jesus and preach His Word. And so, that's what I'm doing, church family. That's what I always want to do. Till Jesus takes me home, I want to praise His name. I want to preach His Word. I want to be in love with the Son of God, and I want to share Him with everybody that I come in contact with. And so, these verses just mean a lot to me, and and from this cross and, and bearing our cross and serving God, he gave me these five crosses where it's an acrostic, C-R-O-S-S, where we shared the gospel. I've already had an opportunity to lead a young man to Christ, University of Texas student, led him to the Lord a few weeks ago using this, was able to share with a retired University of Texas uh, professor. He said, why all these UT people? They need Jesus. Amen. I mean, they, they need Jesus. And we all need Jesus, and that's just where I live. God happens to put me at this time in my life. I live in Austin, Texas, and so I want to, uh, I want to live for Him here, and I want, to, I want to share Him here and disciple people here, and I'd love for a whole church to join me. I'd love for the whole body of Christ to be a radiant church where we share our faith, focus on the fundamentals, and help people walk with Jesus so that it changes them. A great metamorphosis so that it, they're changed from within. And, and what's within, Jesus said, whatever's in the, in the heart, it's going to come out of your life, going to come out of your mouth. And so today we're, we're going to look, first of all, at the power uh, of the cross. The C does stand for the cross. It's the most conspicuous, most recognized emblem, symbol all over the planet. It's tattooed on people's bodies. It hangs around our necks. It, yesterday, as I was standing there at the Arlington National Cemetery, and I, I slipped away from the tomb of the unknown soldier, and I got alone by myself, and I, and I walked on the backside of the amphitheater, and lo and behold, there was this cross. And I saw it, and it just, it just jettisoned upward toward the sky, that, that one vertical beam cross-section with the horizontal beam. And as I just looked at that cross and all the, the graves and what it represented, those men and women who laid down their lives for their country, and there it was, up there in the middle of it all, so conspicuous with the cross of Jesus, where He laid down His life for our eternal souls. It does all come back to this, does it not? It comes back to the cross the cross of Jesus and our cross that He calls us to bear. It's funny, when, 
we as a staff many weeks ago, months ago, uh, we began to prepare these, uh, this emphasis on CrossFit. And by the way, thank you. I, I appreciate you Connect Group guys. You, you've laid aside what you were doing, and you, you're following my, my leadership, and I appreciate that. And I don't take that for granted, and I, I know it's a sacred trust, but we would not ask you to do this unless we felt it was very, very important. Unless we felt like it was what the Holy Spirit was leading your pastor to do. And I believe he was leading me to write this, to give it to you with the hope that you would share it and that you would share your faith and that you would focus on the fundamentals with me and go back to the basic tenets of our faith. It was kind of comical, though, when we come up with this word CrossFit because we thought, oh, people are going to think about um, CrossFit, you know, like that exercise regiment. And, and really, that, that's probably true. We, we did want you to think about that initially. And in the year 2000, a husband and wife, since divorced, unfortunately, a husband and wife team in California in the year 2000, they developed this, this exercise, this very e- extreme exercise program where it involves all kind of calisthenics and stretching and weightlifting and, and running and interval training. If you don't know what all that is, just ask like Gary and Christine Jones. They'll tell you what all that stuff means, all right? Especially interval training. It'll bless your life. It'll kill you, basically. But anyhow, you, you, you do all those things. Why do you do those things? Well, they do them to develop their bodies. They want their bodies to be in tip-top shape. And so in year 2000, the husband and wife started it, and by 2005, they had about 13 affiliated gyms in the U.S. that, um, that had incorporated this training. Today, they have 13,000 gyms with millions of adherents all over the world, even have a television program on CrossFit. All of that so that, and, and, and the reason I think they call it CrossFit is because it crosses um, disciplines. It, it, it mixes in weight training with calisthenics, as I was telling you a moment ago, interval training with uh, stretching, and all those things that's conglomerated so that you can be in the most absolute fit shape of your life. And that's what we want. No, not that. I mean, I would love for you, all of you, to be in great physical shape because I, I think it helps us. It helps us physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. It helps us in every dimension of our life. But more importantly, we want you to be in tip-top spiritual shape. How's that? Being in the greatest spiritual condition of your life. And so the Lord has given us these messages. I'm looking forward to uh, sharing them with you. And uh, we're going to get started. How about right now? Father, we do ask in the name above every name, Jesus... And that through the power of the Holy Spirit, God, you would speak to your radiant church here this very morning. And God, you would give us ears to hear, Lord, eyes to see, hearts, Lord, that would obey you. God, the next few minutes, some of the things I'm going to say will be very challenging. Some of the things, Holy Spirit, you've given me to say over these many weeks now, especially these last two weeks as I've written this sermon, Lord, there are There are things that you want to say to the body of Christ, to this church and only this church, because, Lord, you have a message for us. You have have an emphasis for us. And so, Lord, I just pray that I would do, Holy Spirit, what you told me to do this morning. I would praise your name, and I would be faithful to preach your word. And, God, we're trusting you for results. We're trusting you, God, that you would work in the hearts of men and women and students and single adults and senior saints and all, God, that... We would open up our Bibles, and in Mark chapter 8, God, it would, just, it would just leap off of the page and directly into our spirits, and that all of us, 
Lord, in a few minutes, when we have the invitation, all of us would consecrate and rededicate anew what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, what that means to take up my cross and follow the Lord. So God, I pray that you would speak to us today. God, you would challenge us. And Lord, would you please, Lord, would you please encourage that brother and that sister, Lord, I just need you so much. Lord, they, they can't even hardly hear me, Lord. Lord, they can't even hardly hear my voice as I'm speaking because they're so weighted down, some by sin, God, of their own volition, of their own choosing. God, they're weighted down by bad choices. Would you help them, God? Would you cleanse them, God? Would you allow them to hear the message of the cross and for others, Lord, to no fault of their own, God, just through the circumstances of life, through the diagnosis of cancer, through the bankruptcy, through the trials of life, Lord, they, they can hardly breathe, Jesus. And they're so weighted down by marital difficulty, Lord, and, and financial strain and, and kids that aren't walking with you, Lord, kids that are in church, but they look and they live just like kids in the world and their parents, God, they're just so burdened they can't even hear me today. Oh, God, would you set them free? Lord, would you unplug their spiritual ears? And may we all, King Jesus, may we all go back to the very fundamentals, to the basics of what you said and what you meant when you said, anybody that wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up the cross, and follow me. Say no to yourself and say yes to me. So God, help us please to communicate this message, for we pray it and we believe it. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing I want to share with you today, church family, is what I've called a compelling purpose. So in your Bibles, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 38, uh, chapter th uh, 8, verse 34. I'll read 34 through 37, and it goes like this. And Jesus, when he had called the people, the laos, that's where we get the English word laity, when Jesus called all the people to himself, he's in northern Palestine. He has his disciples also, and, and Mark wants you to underscore that because you, you got to understand that the context, Jesus is about to, he's about to lay it down. He's about to speak a powerful word, and, and the Father has congregated this throng of people around Jesus, and most of them are coming because he's kind of a sideshow. <laughs> I mean, he's healing people, and he's saying these these amazing things, and, and, and the Father has got this great throng of multitudes, and now Jesus is about to whittle them down. He's about to go from the multitudes to the few, to those who would genuinely... Find. This really reminds me of John chapter 6. Remember John chapter 6? Everybody's just rah, 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 Jesus this, Jesus that, and then Jesus begins to say these hard things these difficult things, and the crowds, they begin to flitter away. They begin to fall away, so much so that Jesus looked at the, looked at the guys and the disciples. He said, are you going to fall away? Are you going to leave me too? And Peter, bless his soul, said, uh-uh, I'm not going anywhere. You have the words of eternal life, and these are the words of eternal life. And this is what Jesus said then, and this is what he says today. He said to them, whoever, do you all know what that word in the Greek means, whoever? It means anybody. That's profound, isn't it? Anybody. Whoever desires to come after me, here's the three things that you have to do. They are non-negotiable. You have to do them my way or you can't follow me. You say, wow, Jesus is pretty stringent. But listen, Jesus is Jesus. 
He's not my Jesus. He's not the American cultural Jesus or the Asian Jesus or the European Jesus. He's, he's just God. He's just Jesus. He is who he is. We play according to his rules. We walk according to his drumbeat. He said, if you want to come to me, deny yourself. Say no to your fleshly, carnal, natural desires. Take up your cross. Put your cross on your back and then run after me. The gospel, in a nutshell. For whoever, love that word again in the Greek, whoever means anybody, so profound. Whoever desires to save his life will lose his life. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the euangelion, please don't miss this. Whoever loses his life for me and my gospel, the euangelion is the good news of Jesus Christ. And if you lose your life for me, you're going to save your life. And then he asks these very probing, penetrating questions. For what should it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul, I still memorize these verses. They are deeply embedded in the recesses of my mind and my soul. And it just kind of takes us back, takes us back to the fundamentals, to the basic tenets of, the, of our faith. If you guys want to learn to play a musical instrument, let me encourage you. The first thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to learn the basic scales and the chords and the notes. And every good boy does fine. You've got to learn those basic, simple things in order to play like you want to play and do what you want to do, you've got to go back to the basics. If you're playing a game, whatever that game is, you, you, you've got to master the fundamentals. And in Christianity, it's the same. Here are the fundamentals, and here's what we got to get back to. First of all, is a compelling purpose. Jesus gives us this awesome, compelling purpose when he says in verse 34, here's my purpose for you. Deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. That's your purpose. That's your reason for existing. This is a hard saying, and I'm convinced that Jesus knew it was hard, and he wanted it to be hard. Whoever wants to come after me, he, go, he gives us two aorist imperative commands. He said, deny yourself and take up your cross. To deny yourself says, okay, I'm no longer living for me. I'm going to live a crucified life. I will be forever now a living sacrifice on the altar of God. My life is not my own. I'm, I'm believing you, Jesus. I believe you're right. And I believe you are the Son of God. And Man, you're the Son of God. I was talking to a guy yesterday, and he said, Jesus is a prophet. I said, no, he's not. He's not a prophet. He didn't give us a choice to make him a prophet. He's a king. Prophets don't rise from the dead. But kings do. Jesus, King Jesus does, all right? As he says, so come to me. I'm giving you the purpose of your life. But to come to me, first of all, you have to deny yourself. Say no to your fleshly carnal desires and take up your cross. Now, when Jesus says cross back then, he doesn't mean tattoo. He doesn't mean the, the, the necklace around your neck or the bracelet around your wrist or on your ankle, wherever you put those things. And he, he's not talking about that. He's talking about a form of execution, right? He's talking about a, 
horrific way to die. Oh, you want, to, you want me? You want to follow me? Say no to yourself. <laughs> Take up your cross. Come and die. And both of those are in the aorist command. And I, and I think that's interesting. Because the aorist in the Greek, it's, it's more of an event. It's, it's, it, to me, deny yourself, take up your cross is salvation. I'm coming to you, Jesus. I don't really have anything to offer to you but my sin. And, and I'm, I'm ready to say no to myself. I'm ready to embrace you, your life, and even die for you if you want me to. And so I'm giving you my life, salvation. But then he says, and follow me. That's a present active imperative. That's interesting. It's not an aorist, it's a present tense. Present tense means ongoing, habitual, continual. So it's like die and then live. <laughs> die and now live and walk with me daily and follow after me. That's, that's compelling to me. I, that, that is a purpose worth living for, a purpose worth dying for. A couple of people that I've read said this, the metaphor here of taking up your cross is not to be domesticated. I love that, church. I love that word. Take your cross does not mean be domesticated into an exhortation merely just to endure hardship patiently. No, what Jesus calls for here is a radical abandonment of our own identity and self-determination and a call to join the march to the place of execution this is what he meant. Such self-denial is, is on a totally different level from giving up chocolate at Lent, yay. It's not the denial of something to the self. It's the denial of the self in itself. Thank you, Dr. France, R.T. France. Jesus told the crowd, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. I'm just almost getting emotional knowing what I'm supposed to tell you. And I, I, I don't know if I'm supposed to tell you now or if I'm supposed to tell you in a moment. Maybe I'm supposed to tell you now and in a moment. Our problem is we want to live and Jesus calls us to die. We want what we want. We want to do what we want to do. We want the church to do what we want it to do. We want our country to do what we want it to do. And Jesus says, listen to me. Die. Die to yourself and just follow me. Be passionate for me. I'm enough for your church, for heaven's sakes. I'm enough for your country. Get your eyes off your church and get your eyes off of people. Get your eyes off the White House. Put them on me. Don't forget me and follow me. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. And if you're doing that, you're going to be okay. We're so concerned about living, and Jesus has called us to die. That's a hard word. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is a compelling purpose. It is for me. I gave my life for it. I'd give my life for it all over again. Because I'm like Peter. I'm like, where else are you going to go? What else are you going to do? Who else has the words of eternal life? Secondly is... An all-consuming passion. All-consuming passion. Look at verse 35. Ooh, it gets tense. <sighs> For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life... Now watch this. For me, for my sake and the Gospels, they will save it. 
a great paradox. And I know on the surface it does not make a lot of sense because your remonstrance, your rebuttal, your reply is, but wait a minute, God, if I don't defend myself, if I'm not constantly defending my rights and who I am and what I want to do, if I don't do that, then please pray tell who will. And Jesus says, I will. I'll defend you. I will bless you. I will guide you. Just die to yourself and live for me. Live this resurrected life. And this, no wonder, no wonder people started going, Ooh. I don't know if they had moonwalking back in Jesus' day, but I think they started moonwalking out of there. They're just going, Ooh, son. Ah, it's not that I don't uh, misunderstand him. I understand him completely. He's telling me it's not about me. And Rick Warren was right. He, he, the first words in his book were, it's not about you. It's about him. And it's about us dying to ourselves, taking up our cross, our, our execution, our dying to self, and following rapidly with much alacrity and eagerness, just pursuing him. And as we do, we find life. Now watch this. In the process, you, you're going to lose your life. Okay, now watch this. You're going to lose your life temporally. You may lose your life through martyrdom. But as you lose your life, He gives you life. He gives you life. He gives you joy unspeakable. He gives you an eternal home in heaven above. And it's like, who wouldn't take Him up on this? Why? And C.S. Lewis is so brilliant when he said, we settle for living in the slums when the key offers us a vacation at the sea. He says, come, take up that cross, follow me. Be careful, though. Your temptation will always be your rights, what you want, and your demands. And the moment you do that, you quit following me. And now you're following yourself. Because if you try to state your rights and Save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for me, yea, even martyrdom, if you lose it for me and the gospel, you will save it. I don't want you to miss this in verse 35, church. It's just so important. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me and the gospel, and the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is what we have forgotten and the gospel is what we no longer share. Did you catch that? The gospel, the fundamentals, the rudimentary basics of living for Jesus and dying to self, we don't share that. We don't invite people to that because we're not living that. It goes back here. We, we got to pray in the morning. Got to read the Bible. We got to step outside. We got to live for Jesus. And, and as we do, and we're denying ourselves then, then, we're, then we're finding ourselves. I know it's a paradox. I know it's a, an enigma, a riddle, a conundrum. But it's not my words. It's His Word. Unless we think that Jesus only meant this for preachers, for missionaries, for the deacon type, I, I submit to you, Rachel Scott, 16 years of age, April the 20th, 1999, she's eating lunch outside on the lawn of Columbine High School. 
And these two demon-possessed young men, listen, you don't think demons are a lie? You don't think demons are real and they inhabit the people? Then you need to open up your eyes. You need to realize that the demonic is very, very powerful. And these two boys dressed, draped in black, start making their way toward their high school. And Rachel Scott's one of the first ones, and she looks at them, and they shoot her three times. Boom, boom, boom. Shoot her three times, and she didn't even know what's happened to her. And she's looking around, and then he stands over her. He stands over her. You see, they knew Rachel. They had class with her. They had listened to her witness. They had heard her brag about Jesus. And I don't, I don't remember which one it was. I don't even want to mention their names. Their names are not even worthy to be mentioned. And they look at that girl and they say, do you still, you still believe in him now? Do you still love your God now? And she said, I do. Glory to God. She said, I do. He put a pistol at her temple and blew her ever-loving brains out on the lawn. First one. Then they go into the, they go in, this is America, by the way, they go into the school and they just start killing kids, killing teachers. Fifteen people are slaughtered, but the first one, I mean, what would you do? I'll be honest with you, I, I don't know what I'd do. I might just pass out. I, I, I would the hope that I would say, yes, I believe in him. They got a pistol to my temple. Do you believe in him now? You're going to serve him now? She said, yes. That's all she said. She said, yes. That's what it means to deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow him. Say yes to him, no to self. October the 21st, it's coming out. There's a new movie on Rachel Scott's life. Oh, oh, is that right? That's right. It's called I'm Not Ashamed. I can't wait to see it. I love stories like that. Boy, they scare me. But they motivate me. They inspire me. Okay, the last thing I want to share with you is these probing questions that i got to ask you before we have our invitation. A compelling purpose, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. That's our purpose. The passion is lose your life, save your life. The questions are, what else are you going to do? What else are you going to do with your life? Uh, Jesus says, verse 36, he says, For what will it profit a man if you gain the whole world and you lose your soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul. The first question I, I want to talk to you just briefly is whatever you give in exchange for your soul is a bad deal. <laughs> Jesus, I love when he illustrates his own teaching like he did in Luke 16. He said um, there was a parable, the story of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man He's in hell, not because he's rich, because he didn't, he didn't love God, okay? And Lazarus is in heaven, not because he's poor, but because he loved God, okay? Y'all with me? One's in heaven, the other one's in hell, and, and the one in hell was rich and had no time for God. He didn't have time for his fellow man. Jesus said, here are the two greatest commands, love God, love your fellow man. He said, thanks, but no thanks, I'm going to live for me. And he did, and God gives us all that choice. Live for yourself 
and die and go to hell, have a little fun, party a little bit here on this earth, you know, and do those things that lost worldly people do, and then go to hell. Spend eternity in hell. It's your choice. Or you can say, Jesus, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to be willing to die for you. And then when you die, you go to heaven. And Jesus poses these questions to us. What Verse 36, will it profit if you gain everything and yet you lose your soul? What a question. You ever thought about that? No, really. You ever thought about that? What will it profit me if I gain all the wealth of the world or all the notoriety and all the fame and, and yet when I die, I don't have Jesus. And then, listen to this. I have an eternity to probe and to think about that horrible bargain for my soul. And then Jesus follows it up and says, and what will you give in exchange for your soul? And, and to me, there are just so many ways to interpret this and look at this. Here's how I come down at it. Whatever we choose to give in exchange for our souls is worthless, and it's a horrible deal. We can choose fame and, and wealth. We can worship our families. We can worship recreation. We can do all of those things and leave God out, make Him tertiary, make Him on the fringe, and just, just leave Him out. And it's kind of like this rug up here. I didn't plan on doing this. My back's getting better, by the way. Thank you for praying. Keep praying. All right, there's a, there's a rug up here. Can y'all see this? Okay, I hadn't planned on doing this, but I like when the Holy Spirit does stuff like this. All right, I got a rug, and it's like, here's this rug, and it's like, here's your world. It's, your, it's our world. We're in it to win it. This is us. This is our families, our passions. Uh, these are our indulgences, and this is our life, and this is God. This is God. He's out here. He's out here. He's going in. He wants in, but we don't want him in. We just do our deal. We live our lives, and God is circling us, and he's wanting us to say, give all of this up. Just give all of this up. Just, just take it away. Give it up, and just, just let me come in and have everything. And y'all are looking at me like, what? Have you lost your mind, Brother Danny? We don't want you to go to Washington anymore. You come back with some strange doctrine <laughs> that we know not of. What are you talking about? Man, I, this is my life. This is my world, and I'm going to do what I want to do with my life and my world, and I'll tip God, and I'll acknowledge God, and I'll even stand and say allegiance to the flag, and God we trust. That's all. Man, that's all. I don't. I don't want that much of God. I don't want God probing on me and, and telling me how to live my life and who I can sleep with and who I'm not supposed to sleep with and, and how much I'm to drink and not to drink and, and, and what I'm supposed to say and what I'm doing. I, I don't want all that. I want to do what I want to do. And Jesus says, that's okay. And you will go to hell. <laughs> he gives us a choice. Let God have every... Listen, guys, if Jesus, if he ain't everything, he ain't nothing. 
That's bad grammar, but that's the best theology I've got. If he doesn't have you and everything, now listen, I'm not, I'm not talking about perfectionism. I'm not talking about we don't. Yes, we mess up. Man, we fall off the wagon. Yes, we bump our heads and we, we say things and do things that we should not say. Listen, 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 please listen. Then we say, God, I'm so sorry. And you run back to him. I'm concerned about the person who does those things and they don't, they don't run back to him. They just say, well, you know, it's all good. You know, it don't matter. It does matter. And Jesus, he's He's, he's so awesome. He's worth living for. He's worth dying for. And he's worth us pursuing him with everything we've got. Here's, here's another word for you. God, please help this come out right. I don't know how this is going to come out, but here it comes. The gospel. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. I am dispensable. But the gospel is indispensable. I, I, can, I can live, I can die. I can be successful, I cannot. My life is His. Do with me, God, what you want to do with me. But the gospel, that's indispensable. And my life is lived, is going to be lived, and I pray in Jesus' name it continues to be lived for the gospel. And that we, in these crazy, wicked, goofy days, and we will live for Jesus. We will bear our crosses and follow hard after Him. You remember John Rockefeller, Standard Oil, the Titan? Somebody asked him one time, they said, and by, and by the way, Rockefeller was beyond rich. He was, he was a billionaire in the turn of the century kind of rich, okay? They said, well, how much is enough? He said, a little bit more. <laughs> Did y'all catch that? How much is enough? A little bit more. Listen. Hey, Daniel, help me fill in the blank. Jesus is. It's enough. Jesus is enough. I don't, guys, I don't know what's going down tonight. I don't, I don't know what y'all are going to say, what you're going to do. I just know I'm going to follow Jesus. And I just, I want, the only thing I would desire is to follow him and to lead you the best way I know how. And, and if Jesus wants me to call this Hillbilly Bumpkin Baptist Church. I'll call it that. No, I'm serious. I, I'm serious. I just want to do what Jesus wants me to do. You say, well, you don't, you're not following Jesus like you should. Then you've got a big problem. No, I'm serious, and I do too. I want to plant churches. How in the world are we going to plant churches when we got to get people in here and pay the bills here? I don't know. How are we going to do all these things you think God is telling you to do? I don't know. I really honestly don't know. All I know is I'm just trying to follow him. Come in and help me. Or, I don't know. Ashley, what do you think? Maybe? Just serve him. Just, just sell out to him. I'm going to live for him. I want to die for him. 
And that's, that's who I am. That's, that's all I am. And by the way, I am dispensable. You can get rid of me. I can go. I, all I can do is preach. I'll go and I'll preach. But the gospel is indispensable. Let me, let me leave that with you, okay? I am dispensable. The gospel is indispensable. And let us do everything. I'm going to encourage you. You do everything you can, Great Hills Baptist Church, to get the gospel out to as many people as you can. Whoever behind this pulpit, whoever God leads here, you, you live for Jesus. Die to yourself. Take up your cross. Run hard. Run hard to the King. That's, that's all I'm going to do with every dying breath I have. I almost feel like I'm preaching my last sermon of my life. Actually, it's weird that God does this to me sometimes. Somebody said the other day, you remind me of Paul. You, you, I think you're just going to die prematurely. And I'm like, I scared the heebie-jeebies out of me. Don't tell me that kind of stuff. <laughs> but Ralph, is that not awesome? Give your life for Jesus. Wouldn't that be awesome? Let me invite you to give your life to Jesus. Let me invite you to come to this altar and just say, okay, Lord, whoa, time out. I need to start this in the morning. I need to do what? Help me, anybody, help me. I need to pray. I need to what? What, if, what do you do after you pray? It's called this book. It's, I'm going to read my Bible, and then I'm going to go live for Jesus. And I'm going to take up my cross and follow Him. Okay? Let me encourage you to do that. Some of you need to start. Get, get started. 12.07. My son texted me the other day. I love Leighton. He's coming home. See us. Just a little bit. He texts me, he goes, Dad, Pastor Todd preached an hour today. They only run 5,000, 6,000 people in their church. He goes, Dad, the only reason I go to that church, he preaches long like you. And I went, yes, it's good. It's good. Solid hour. And mostly, Ryan, most of the people in his church are your age. They're young guys like you in their 30s and their 20s. And then they stay for an hour. Is that Alex? Is that Alex? An hour. Preaching the Word of God expositionally, verse upon verse. Which leads me to say, if you don't have a church, Dallas is too far. You need to come here. All right? You need to come here. And, 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 and whatever we call it, Hillbilly Bumpkin Baptist. That's kind of cool. I kind of like that. So whatever we call it, just... Man, let's pursue Jesus. Let's run hard for Jesus. Kyle, until he takes us home. Until he takes us home. And he says, well done. Well done. Father, I pray in the name that's above every name, Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, God, you would draw people to yourself, Lord, to a relationship with you, to a denying, dying deflating of self kind of life. And Lord, as they do that, because I am a living witness, I know what they're about to get into, God. They're about to get into life and joy and peace and full of the Holy Spirit. I, I just pray, God, in Jesus' name. Lord, first of all, I pray that there be salvation among people here today. God, I pray that souls would be born again into the kingdom of God and that people would say yes to Christ. 
I pray, Lord, for my church, for these dear people. God, I, I, really, I really believe, God, you, you not only led me here, but you've led me here, Lord, to live my life here and be willing to die here. But Lord, if there's somebody in, his, in this room, in this place today, and God, they are living this, this lifestyle that is incongruent with the gospel. Lord, would you convict them? Would you draw them to a place of repentance? Lord, Lord, whether it's people sleeping around with people that are not their spouse, or whether it's just an overindulgence of the hedonistic lifestyle that Austin, Texas has just absolutely bit into that apple. Oh, Jesus, would you show them that you are better, so much better, and they won't be plagued with the guilt and the shame, but they would have peace and joy in life. God, show them that you're better. And so I'm, I'm inviting you the woman at the well, I'm inviting you. Say, I'm coming to the King. I'm, I'm following Jesus. I'm denying myself and my worldly lust. And I'm going to follow King Jesus. Some of you come. I, I do. We invite you to come. God is leading you to great hills. You need to come to great hills. And you need to be a part of the church. Join the church. Help us, help us fight the devil. Man, help us do do battle against the evil one. Some of you need to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. What a, what a wonderful thing. And that precious lady there this morning was Stu, following Jesus. Some of you, you need to step out of the boat like Alex is doing. Step out and we'll start a, a new worship service for Asians and all. That, that's kind of, I kind of like the Asians and everybody. I'm praying, King Jesus, through the times you've given me to pray and fast over this, I want to ask you, would you bless that Monday night service later on this month? May it, may it just be so good, Lord. May it be so wonderful. So, God, I just give this over to you, this invitation over to you. Bless Terry as he sings in the, in the band as they play. And, and just bless us, Lord, as we come. Kneel at the altar, Lord. Do business with you. Share our burdens with one another. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can stand. God bless you as you stand to your feet. Terry, you lead us. As people come, do business with you.